You're listening to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, a comfy, cozy place for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is the place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 65, I'm going to chat with Rebecca Lee of Just Living Therapy about the systems, institutions, and societal expectations that create our landscape. Now on to our conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm here with Rebecca Lee. She's a therapist and the owner of Just Living Therapy. And today we'll be digging into the systems, institutions, and societal expectations that create our landscape. So welcome, Rebecca. Hello. It's good to be here. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Well, I always start the conversation with I am a farmer because I think that colors pretty much everything that I do. I'm also a uh, licensed clinical social worker and an artist. So I love shoving things together as much as I can. I don't really like taking one hat off and putting on a different hat. I just like to wear them all at the same time. Yeah. Um, So my work right now is very much centered around, um, clinical supervision. I do clinical supervision. And then I also provide coaching around burnout. That's a big area that I'm passionate about right now, just because, I mean, we look at our current landscape and our current environment. We look at our colleagues, we look at, you know, what everyone's navigating through and we have the pandemic of burnout And it has just become more and more obvious over the last few years with us navigating through COVID as um, an entire world. And so I think we're just kind of in that space of the more I can support and lend to that conversation and help helping professionals figure out how to manage all of this and love their work. Uh, that's really where I'm at right now is, is figuring out how to be a support to people who are already so highly motivated to impact the world, change the world, support their communities. Um, and if I can help them not get burnt out while they're doing it, Mm -hmm. that's the goal. That's a little bit of the background. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that piece is so paramount in that being able to do the job that you love without getting burnt out because so many therapists love being therapists. But what we've noticed over the past few years is this job is hard. I mean, it's always been uh, difficult to walk people through their trauma and help them heal, but there's been so many things recently that's compounded that. And so, I mean, I know that there's many therapists leaving the field or many therapists that know that they want to be a therapist. So they're continuing to be burnt out without knowing how to get out of that. So I think it's really important to, for them to have somewhere to go so they can continue doing the work that they love and not be burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I think there's more people that are getting into this space of uh, burnout 
And I just love that there's so many people that are seeing that need and jumping in because, you know, for us, it's the more the merrier, the more we're all having this conversation, the more we can start moving that pendulum to the other side and back to something that maybe is a little bit more healthy. Um, And as you're, you know, with your work in working with introverted, highly sensitive, I'm sure you see that even more so just because of that dichotomy between the expectations of go, go, go a hundred miles an hour, you know, mm-hmm. don't do what's normal to you. Don't do what is authentic and natural to you, but move at this pace that just is not sustainable. Um, so yeah, I, I love the work. I love the people that I work with because they are so highly motivated and they want to make a difference and they love their job. Like you were saying, we love the work. We don't want to leave. We want to do this work, but if we have to back out because we have to refine and reconnect with our health, then sometimes we have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, as you were speaking, I was thinking, yeah, I was burnt out even before the pandemic as a highly sensitive person and an introvert trying to work at an agency. It just, no matter if all the other conditions were perfect, I don't think that that's a good recipe for me. So I really did have to go out and do things really differently in my own private practice in order to sustain the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I look at the conversation of burnout. One, the term burnout kind of drives me a little bit crazy, but it's the term that we all know. Yeah. So that's why I use it. But, you know, when you think about burnout, there's that, there's that added layer of, you know, you hear about, well, you know, she's burning the candle at both ends. So Mm -hmm. it's like this insinuation, insinuating that there's something that we inherently are doing wrong And that's why we're burning out versus seeing that systemic piece and the expectations that have been placed on us that to a degree we agree to, Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not. Um, And so when I'm looking at conversation of burnout, I look through it through a few different lenses. So I'm looking at it through this landscape lens, like that's the farmer piece of me. (laughs) Yeah. Why don't you explain? Um, Cause it really is, um, landscape, like you would think of a landscape, but mm -hmm. describe to everybody what, what you're meaning by landscape in this, um, arena. And landscape means a lot, like it's a lot. It's kind Mm -hmm. of that I've changed. I've adjusted from this idea of environment and I like the term landscape because I feel like it regrounds us. Like the dirt, the the dirt beneath our feet is important and figuring out how to even integrate to that level. And so landscape is really like if you're taking, you know, yourself as a bubble and then you're bubbling out from there where you have this internal landscape, the, our values, what holds us, you know, in that authentic space, what's important to us, what connects us, what grounds us. So it's kind of that, and we have that internal landscape. And then you think, you know, external from that. Now you're looking at your community. You're looking at what your community being people, your community being plants, people, animals, the dirt beneath us, that that we can touch, that that's like right next to us. Um, 
And so then you go to the next outward bubble is that it's just that all of that existence, that beyond that we can't, we can't grasp. We can't, it's that, that spiritual piece, that, that piece that um, some of us uh, feel very connected to, or some of us, you know, have a lot of conversations around, but knowing that it's all of it, the landscape is everything. And it's knowing that we are, we are, are our landscape like we're not separate from that and so that's one lens that I look through is are we doing us or are we doing someone a system or institutional expectation um and so landscape is one lens another lens is our ethical foundation so as a licensed clinical social worker, I've got my NASW code of ethics that we get out. And when we go through school, that's one of those things that's hammered in over and over and over again, code of ethics, code of ethics. So whether you're a social worker, you're a counselor, you're a marriage and family therapist, wherever you are, you come with, or any other helping professional, you kind of come with your code of ethics. That's a part of your discipline. But we look, we start, re, we start looking at those codes of ethics and we notice that we have, there's these categories of responsibility. We have a responsibility towards our clients. We have a responsibility to our colleagues. We have a responsibility to our organizations, to the greater society. And most of the time it's missing that responsibility to ourselves as clinicians, as helping professionals. Um, and so that lens being, that's a part that should be a part of that conversation is, are we creating an ethical foundation that grounds us, that includes us? Because if we are constantly feeling like we're separate from the community that we're serving, it makes it really difficult to serve that community because we always feel like something is missing and it's because we're missing. <laughs> we're missing yeah. in that conversation. Yeah. I love what you said. Make sure that that ethical piece includes us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. so powerful to think of it that way. And if we, you know, just when we think about it from a sheer logical standpoint, how well can we serve other people if we aren't healthy ourselves, if we are in extreme pain ourselves, if we are in um, burnout, if we're in that space, it's going to be really difficult to provide the level of support that the, that people need that are coming to us. And so then there's that ethical obligation. So if we do have an ethical obligation to our clients, it's to take care of ourselves so we can really be present and in that space with people. Um, But it's difficult because we're not necessarily taught that. We're taught to point that mirror out at everything else, serve everything else, but not that we in and of ourselves are a part of the community that we're serving. And so that's where I like this, that landscape idea is we are a part of our landscape. And so we have to take ourselves into account as we're navigating through. Yeah. It makes me think of, because it is drilled into us about, you know, everything is about the client 
and we're Mm kind of left out of it. And it, I don't know, the um, paradox of it is, is that if we, I encourage my um, coaching clients to focus on themselves, to build their practice around themselves, to let them be um, kind of the creator of that. So they can design a practice that keeps them healthy. And as a result of that, that's almost like putting their clients first. Their clients are going to have a better experience of that. And the weird thing is, is if we focus fully on our clients and outside of ourselves, then we think that we're doing the best for our clients because it looks like we're putting them first. But if you set yourself up in that, you may become burnout resentful and you're not going to be a good therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you hear that, that term, um, uh, or like, I've heard this, 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 this phrase that, you know, this idea of like self-care is not selfish. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get to that space of knowing that self-care is important. It's a part should be a part of our practice, but the last part of saying self-care isn't selfish is insinuating that selfish is inherently bad and we have to run away from it. And it, it isn't when we need to tap back into our health, when we need to recenter, when we need to refocus, we need to focus on ourselves. We need to focus on our values. Like, have we, have we gone so far sideways and incorporated these systemic values, expectations, norms into our life that we have forgotten our own? You know, you think about those scenarios of um, a a social worker that's asked, you know, I need you to stay after, I need you to see all these additional clients because so-and-so is sick and we got to fill this gap and we need you to go over. And so you've got the social workers filling these gaps and they keep filling them and they keep filling mm-hmm. them, keep, keep doing it. Um, and then they burn out and the gaps get bigger. Yep. <laughs> gaps get bigger. And so it's just what you said. If we can't, learn how to reset and say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And it will be in the best interest of my patients long-term. If I recenter, if I focus on me, I get healthy and then I come back. That's the best thing that you can do for your client. Or we burn out, we burn out, we burn out. And then the client doesn't have us at all because we've left the field because mm-hmm. we can't, we can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I love the term that you said, filling the gap. So when you fill a gap, that feeling has to come from somewhere and it's taking away from somewhere else. So it's not really what it seems. It's not like you're really covering for this other therapist mm-hmm. or it it's taking away from you and mm-hmm. yourself. And mm-hmm. thinking about, like you said, the word selfish, there are a few words that I want to reclaim as positive and lazy and selfish are two of them. Like, I don't want those to be dirty words anymore um, because I think it's important to use around sometimes and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I will, I will, I will be right there with you reclaiming that (laughs) word. I think it's so necessary. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's just that piece of um, you talked about the gap piece and you're going to be taking it from someplace else. I kind of think about it as if you have a hundred percent in that day to give, 
and you need 10% to go fill this gap, you're now going to take 10% away from another part of your day. And then you're going to have to fill another gap. So you're going to take another 20% out. And you're like, all right, so now I got 70% left to do me and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to fill another gap. So you start like, it's not like we we have this endless amount of energy <laughs> that doesn't go away. We start chipping away at it. And um, at some point, we get to the point of realizing that the more I'm filling all of these other gaps, I'm not serving, I'm not serving anyone to um, this higher degree. They're all getting my bare minimum. They're all, all getting a little bit of my presence as much as I can muster but I can't show up and be fully present. Um, we can do our best and our best is a lot, but it's not, it's not, it's not being fully present. It's not fair to us. It's not fair to the client. Yeah. I see that so much with, I mean, especially with beginning therapist, um, because typically you likely go work at an agency or someplace where you are really told like this is uh the clients that you have to see and and you may have to cover it's like oh we don't have anyone else to see these clients so you're gonna have to do it and then mm -hmm. I I feel like a lot of um a lot of times like new therapists can be overworked and exploited um mm -hmm. and thinking that this is something that is yeah it's kind of expected of them because if they leave there's another new therapist to replace them. And I think that's mm -hmm. really, really sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, in the, in the group coaching and the, the trainings that I do around this work, there's just so much of that focus on creating your ethical framework that makes sense to you, that fulfills you, that nurtures you, that supports you. And then likewise, it's going to support the people that you're serving, creating that ethical foundation and then reclaiming, like you said, that your actual landscape, the support that is actually around you, the, the strengths, the growth, the opportunities, all of that that exists there that we miss when we don't create these things for ourselves. Because if we don't have a structure that really works for us, oh, the system will give us that structure. The system will give us that box to work within. And the box will come with their own set of values, their own set of expectations and norms. And when do we shame ourselves? And when we don't have to shame ourselves, we will be provided that box if we don't create it for ourselves. And that's that's usually what that it's that box that creates that space for burnout because there's expectations and values um, and norms that don't make sense to us as our own person or don't make sense to how we want to connect with our community. And so it's all about recreating that for ourselves and seeing that, okay, if I really am living my values and I've got this system expectation. If I send that, I take my value as a filter and I send it through that filter. Does it work? Does it jive? Does it, does it fit in my framework for how I need to work and how I need to enter into the world? Or do I need to push against it? Or, I need, or do I need to let it go and say, no, that's not something that is going to, that is going to fit. And 
so I really like that piece of um, being able to create that for ourselves, create our own conditions for success mm-hmm. versus being provided that by a system or an institution. And I think even the question was asked to me the other day of, okay, well, Rebecca, I get this when it comes to when you're in an organization, when you're in a program where someone else is setting those expectations, but I'm in private practice and I'm still burnt out and I'm still exhausted. So what is going on there? And it's that same piece. If we don't set our own schedule, if we don't set our own expectations for what we want our practice to look like, And what we want to say no to and what we want to accept in and where we need to breathe, where we need to take a break. If we don't create that, we're going to end up using all of what we have been conditioned to do, the box that was there when we worked in the organization. And we're going to start using that because we need something. And that's a structure we know exists. So it becomes almost like a comfort zone to do the same things that we've been taught along the way. And, um, but it's really great when you get, when you start feeling and you get to see people move to that place of, oh, like, I don't have to do it this way anymore. Like, I don't have to, but there's so much angst around it because we're told that this is the structure. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, And so it's just fun when you can get outside of that and see it from afar. It's like when you meditate, you start, you start having some breathing room between you and the problem or the concern that you may be dealing with versus it being like right on top of you. And it's hard to see um, the sky through the trees. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think these systems and institutions, I mean, they were developed over many, many, many years and Mm -hmm. it takes a long time to dismantle those And I think we're just at the very beginning stages of it, because like you said, we are conditioned to do that and Mm -hmm. it's what's familiar. So there's some comfort in that, but that familiarity and comfort is also burning us out. And Mm -hmm. I think being able just to see more examples of people doing it their own way. I mean, that's my biggest mission in my business is to let people know that they can do their business however they want. And you don't have to have seen an example of it before. Um, I know that just a few random things that I would do, and I know that other therapists have done this, but people were sometimes shocked when I said that I would do, you know, 30 minutes to an hour between my counseling sessions. And it's like, what, you can do that. Uh, They would think, Oh, 15 minutes is like a big break. You know, Uh I actually have time to grab a snack and run to the restroom before my next client. But even little things like that can really, um, it may seem a little radical, but really it's not. I was just following what my body needed. Mm -hmm. And I think the more that people can get creative in their practices and do things a little differently. And the more that we can see examples of that, it will start to make it uh, more of a normal occurrence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And getting to that point of being able to feel the difference, you start making some of those small changes and it's, ah, that feels better. Like, why does that feel better? Let's do more of that. Mm-hmm. Like I think right now, you know, a lot of my expectation around my, my work right now is 
I'm not working the 40 hour work week. Like that's Mm -hmm. done and gone. We're not going back to that again. Like we're instead, like I want it to be that I can take a break in the middle of the day, walk to the farm, spend some time with the animals, experience, you know, the dirt beneath my feet, the, the, we've got these um, sandhill cranes that are coming in right now and they make this wonderful like warbling noise when they come in. And if I needed to work my 40 hours, I wouldn't be experiencing that. If I needed to keep to the structure, the box that has been provided, I wouldn't be experiencing any of that. And so then my clients aren't then experiencing me in a much more present space. They would be experiencing me a little bit manic, a little bit fried, a little bit stressed out. Um, Instead, you know, I'm showing up, I may be showing up with my work clothes on and my hair's a hot mess, but you know what? I'm doing me and I'm going to, you know, continue to be in that space because it makes sense. You know, when you look at things logically, it just makes sense to figure out who we are and to try to connect with that as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just thinking about um, the way that the structures are set up and we're talking about the 40 hour work week. And I mean, all of these things, when I try and, you know, hone in on why this is happening or why it's set up that way, it seems to always come back to money and greed, not that money is a bad thing. Money is an amazing thing and it can be used in wonderful ways. But even thinking about the expectations that was put on me at an agency job, there were these billable hours, like you need to bill Mm -hmm. this dollar amount um, in order to work for us or in order to Mm -hmm. not get reprimanded. Um, So just thinking of that, uh, do you have any other um, thoughts on in addition to greed, how these systems mm-hmm. are created and maintained. And because that's what I always come back to. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're maintained by us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the hardest pill to swallow yeah. is they're maintained by us. Mm-hmm. And so like an example is uh, work, working with a social worker. She is, she is top notch fantastic. And she's very macro oriented. She's systemic change gal. She's like, we're going to save the world. This is going to be great. Um, and she, you know, we were talking for a bit and she was talking about, she works in a team and one person was out sick. Uh, and she said, primarily due to burnout, another person was, you know, working less hours on FMLA. And so the team that's left is like maybe three other people. And she's like, I'm having to take the brunt of everything because people are saying, no, they're not taking it on. They're not, they're refusing to take on all this extra work. And so now I'm having to take on everything. And she's talking about how frustrated she is and how she's telling people, you need to be team members. You need to show up. You need it. We've got to be a team. We can't do this by, you know, by ourselves. Um, And so I, asked her, so do you think they might be setting some boundaries for themselves? And she's, and she just stops in that moment. She's like, ah, (laughs) it, you know, it was just like, yeah, I just perpetuated that expectation Mm -hmm. that we all have to jump. We all have to fill the gaps and I will be the one that will shame my team when it doesn't happen. 
And so it, you know, you just have these norms that come from the top of these structures, but they stay in place because, because we as a team are not really communicating in a very authentic way. We're not being really honest about what we can and we can't do. And we don't communicate together. And, um, and so we end up perpetuating these norms. And so the more people are saying no, and the more people are saying no, and why they're saying no, and being able to have some really honest conversation around this, and that it's, you know what, if we all couldn't do it, it goes to the next layer up, they have to then figure out what to do next. If those managers are then also saying, I can't fill this gap. There's not enough people. It's going to go to the next layer up. Mm -hmm. But most of the time we fill that gap. And so it never quite goes up that chain high enough to make some of those structural changes. But um, now I'm trying to go back to what your question was, but that was like a piece of like why I feel like so much of this just continues is we need to be able to keep hearing from one another that it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. It's okay to set your boundaries. It's okay to be healthy. Like that's a, that should be an expectation. Yeah. But instead it's kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. I think that is so important being able to hold those boundaries because if everyone did, like you said, it would make its way to the top eventually, but because we're all, or most of us are trying to be really good employees Mm -hmm. and, and do everything that we can and help out where we can, it's, everyone at the bottom is scrambling to fill the gaps and becoming burnt out. So it doesn't make it up those levels. And I know that in the past, I've definitely been guilty of this. I was always a model employee. Like if I wanted to do my best and do a good job, I didn't want anyone to say that I wasn't doing my job or wasn't doing my part. Even if it was the things were unfairly placed on me, Um, Mm -hmm. that I maybe couldn't keep up with. I would do everything that I could. And um, so, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of helping to hold that in place. Mm -hmm. But that's why I think these conversations are so important um, because really your health and well-being is number one priority and being able to, like you said, hold those boundaries and also say why you have these boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably going to, I mean, change mostly comes from the bottom up and that's probably how it's going to have to go in a lot of these Mm -hmm. structures and systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And I think those that are in private practice or, you know, they're in small business with themselves, you know, sole entrepreneurs, you know, us being able to also see that we can just take, we just take that system and we just, we just bring it with us. We have to figure out how to really, like you said, when you're working with people, establish what makes sense for them um, and look at how am I continuing to perpetuate a system that is not healthy? What are the things that I've adopted in because I don't have that structure set for myself because I don't have my own ethical framework that I'm that I'm leading from, that I that I'm coming from an integrated landscape that makes sense for me. Uh, cause sometimes I think we want to split. We want to say, well, that happens in organizations, but it doesn't happen in private practice because we're our own boss. And if we don't create those things for ourselves, we just do the same thing that we were doing when we were in the system. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Um, well, I'm excited to talk about our next topic next mm-hmm. week about how that we're going to transition into a more authentic landscape for ourselves. Yeah. Because like you said, um, we do recreate our, you know, structural systemic agency jobs in our private mm-hmm. practice. Cause it's what we're used to. And, um, so anything else you want to say on, on this topic today before we end? Uh, I think the, I think the main thing is, is, you know, when, if people are in that space of like, something's got to give, it's knowing that it'll give, it (laughs) will like, and it can change and it can be great. You can have your cake and eat it too. Like you can live in your values try to be as close to your authentic self as you currently know, because I think we're always searching for that. Um, And you can do really great work with your clients at the same time. You don't have to burn out in order to have an impact. You, You can be healthy and you can be nurturing at the same time. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you let people know a little bit about how they can find out more about your work? Yeah, uh, right now um, you can probably find me on my website, which is www.justlivingtherapy.org. And right now I am doing a five-week group coaching program. And so this is really centered around helping professionals, kind of who we've been talking about. And it's all around that idea of integrating with our landscape, developing our own unique vision and authentic self so we can eliminate burnout. So we can love the work that we do, love the structure that we've created for ourselves and still have tremendous impact as the person who wants to make a dent in the suffering in the world and wants to um, create these spaces of healing for people. So you can find me at www.justlivingtherapy.org, um, backslash burnout to bravery. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me. Mm-hmm. Of course. It's been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 66. I continue my conversation with Rebecca and she shares more about how to transition to your authentic landscape. If you haven't listened to episode 64, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I talk about how to start a podcast and share the basic tools you'll need to get started, along with my specific recommendations. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. And if you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy small group mastermind for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. May the forest be with you. Mm-hmm.